Hi guys, welcome to the Church Split. You know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, challenge the status quo, which always needs challenging. Hope you're all doing well today. Go ahead and like and subscribe if you haven't already. Actually, the, the commenting, the liking, and all that really helps us quite a bit growing to grow. And we are actually growing quite a bit right now, which is awesome uh it helps that we're kind of figuring out some things with the algorithm and all that good stuff but also if you'd like to partner with us go ahead and partner with us on patreon it does help because these sorts of things do cost money but now that we got all the advertising and internet chatter out of the way i hope all of you guys are doing great because today we're discussing something that i find relatively hilarious but before all that uh just a quick channel update if you haven't already check out some of brian's uh recent episodes he's been doing some episodes while i've been away he's done a great great one on evanescent grace that was probably one of my favorite videos i think he's ever done uh mainly because he even had reformed people go like acknowledging the fact that he steel manned their position pretty well so uh go ahead and check that out uh, and also we are uploading more shorts every single day and we are doing more and more of that sort of thing uh because you know now we actually are paying attention to how the algorithm works which we probably should have done that a long time ago but it is what it is so anyway so while uh, soon in the near future i plan to start a series on biblical sexuality and exploring that but before i do all of that because it's going to take some notes and all i wanted to do some fun episodes and oddly enough i was scrolling through my facebook one day minding my own business as a millennial does and i found an article just ripping hiles anderson college or first baptist church of hammond a new one and i was like what is all this drama about what is happening so i had to go on and little bit of an investigative hunt and i <laughs> once again i am not quite surprised by what took place now granted we don't usually focus on the ifb so those who are new here ifb stands for independent fundamental baptist churches or ifb for short um but for those of you who are new to the channel uh it does a quick overview of what they are first off i was raised in the ifb but they tend to use only the king james version of the bible they tend to think that all other versions of the bible are perversions of the word of god and that the king james version is the only uh, inspired word of God for English-speaking people, so they're what we call King James only typically speaking. They also are very conservative on their dress standards. Uh, you normally, like men, if you're on the platform, you have to wear a tie or a suit, and with women, yet they cannot wear pants. They have to wear skirts. Men have to keep like very short haircuts, and certain places like Hiles Anderson College have very strict uh like rules regarding hair in fact actually we have their rule book on file somewhere but we're not going to go through the handbook today but uh anyway all that's relevant because what ended up happening apparently is first baptist church of hammond ended up having a creation science seminar and what they did is they had some guys from this thing called the creation expo in to present of course creation science and when one of the presenters got there apparently he had longer hair now in any other church situation you'd understand that you're bringing an outside organization in and either you need to communicate your platform standards or your dress code to the the organization before they present or you just accept the fact that hey this is an outside organization 
probably going to be a little bit different. Some guy might be wearing a polo on the platform instead, but this is just how things are. You know, it's okay. He might be wearing a t-shirt and a pair of jeans even because uh, he might be wearing like, you know, a creation expo t-shirt or something along that nature. But of course, in the IFB, they tend to be very rules based and they do not tend to have uh, an understanding nature toward other groups. In fact, they're very what we would call exclusivist. So they think that they are probably the most spiritual, you typically speaking. I, I know I know I'm speaking generally and this does not if this does not apply to you, you and you are IFB, then don't apply it. I'm just speaking very generally as to the general movement. Uh, obviously, there are exceptions and there are some really great IFB people that I know and whom I've become friends with and I'm still friends with from back in the day when I was IFB. But the point is that especially I should maybe the best qualifier when I talk about like this sort of culture is the IFB college culture, because it was always like, you know, do you go to Hiles, Anderson, Fairhaven, Crown College, Maranatha, like which Baptist sect of the IFB were you from and which like teachings were you under? You know, my church was very big in Crown College and some people are more West Coast people. But anyway, if all that's jargon to you, that's OK. I'm not expecting you to get your Ph.D. in IFB culture. OK. But the point is, is that they do tend to be extremely legalistic oftentimes, these these groups, and especially anything associated with Hiles Anderson or Old Paths Journal or any of these others, like sort of the Lord types. So anyhow, and sort of the Lord is like an old, old paper, but they are still around. Uh, anyway, so I feel like I should just jump in because it, it's just just wow like i i can't oversell this in any way uh so uh let's just jump in and oh that's what i want to talk about first uh before we get into this so what ended up happening is the that hiles anderson has this creation expo in this guy's longer hair and the word got out and when the word got out people like this guy uh whose name is alan right alan dum damel damel i'm hoping i'm saying that correctly Demelli, depending if you say if you pronounce that e with a long e like my co-host brian does um because you know some people don't know how to spell or pronounce words but anyway uh so when it, what happens is that these guys gave a presentation and alan took exception to the fact that he saw a picture of this guy with shoulder length hair and he writes this entire article raking him over the coals so don't worry we'll read the article because it is the saucy kind of thing that we like to have on this channel but when he had a, he rips him over the coals and what does john wilkerson the pastor and president of hiles anderson do well instead of going instead of like defending his actions he instantly bows the knee to the cancel culture mob and that is actually the funniest part probably about the fundamentalist world is that even though they are usually the most conservative people on the planet they tend to also uh be kind of libby in the way they handle things they they handle a lot of things the way the progressives do there's a lot of cancel culture there's a lot of attacking one another's and uh, other brethren things like that um also hello warren in the comments i see you uh anyway so let's just go ahead and jump in and if you have questions or comments uh go ahead and comment them as we go in the live stream and i'll try to star them as i see them so i'm new to the live stream thing but it's something i'm trying to make sure i focus on uh that's something i'm passionate about because it helps the algorithm and plus it allows me to interact with the audience and i and brian is a perfectionist and he likes to pre-record things so we are killing two birds with one stone so that's what we're doing um so with that said let's check this out all right so fbc hammond and hiles anderson college accept compromise 
<laughs> and that's when you know it's going to be a good one. Because in the IFB world, they use the term compromise or compromiser all the time. Basically, if you go off the beaten path on what they think is correct, uh, you are compromised. You're a compromiser. And there's very few things worse than being a compromiser in the IFP world. Basically, there's the unsaved unbeliever. Then there's the backslider. Then there's a compromiser who is basically a backslider. And then there's those who follow the specific cookie cut and they're the good, uh, good Christian people. Okay, so I uh, just got to give you an idea of how that all works. So uh, he starts off with note on November 15th, Pastor Wilkerson apologized to the church for the hurt it caused. I respect the apologies and hope it is sincere. I do not apologize for what I wrote. So I will leave, a, uh, leave up what I wrote as truth must always be defended. This is hilarious because I said this before in the fundamentalist world that it's very cannibalistic. That's why I likened it. I always liken the progressive culture to the fundamentalist culture because it's so similar. There's a lot of labels, there's a lot of rhetoric, and they'll eat each other alive even if they're all on the same team. It's actually kind of in insane. So, um, so anyway, this is where he says, and the, the drama of it, the drama. There are times my heart breaks, and this is one of those times. This past weekend, November 12th, 2023, First Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana, invited a group of men into their church to teach on creation. Then on Monday, these same men went to Hiles Anderson College and taught the students. These men were not Baptists and do not claim to be Baptists. In fact, one is a member of a Reformed church, and another claimed from their pulpit that he is a Methodist. On Sunday evening, I received a text from a pastor with a picture that showed a long-haired hippie teaching in the pulpit of FBC Hammond. When I received multiple calls from the preachers about how they were told that the NIV was used on slides and indecency on some of the slides, I am sickened by this as I am not for compromise of any sort. However, it sickens me before this sickens me more because of my love for this church and college. Now, before I go on further, I do got to talk about this. Um, I, I just, we, yeah, let's, let's, okay. So first off, uh, he kind of obviously is upset at them. And for those who don't know, First Baptist Church of Hammond is the church that's directly connected to Hiles Anderson. So you'll hear them kind of use interchangeably because Hiles Anderson students are required to go to First Baptist Church of Hammond as all part of each other. Okay. And so when he says, I am for compromise of, I'm not for compromise of any sort, this is what always killed me when I was part of the IFB as well, because they basically mean to unify or lock arms with somebody you disagree with is a form of compromise. So you agree with me 100% or you don't uh, agree with me at all. Like I will cast you out. That's why they're separatists. They are um, ex very exclusionary. Uh, so they are separatists. That is something that we have to keep in mind as we go forward. So somebody disagrees with them instantly separatism but then they called him a long-haired hippie as if by the way this is how you also know that they're stuck in like 19 like 73 okay because everyone that all the terminology they use is like something from the 60s and 70s and it's funny when they call them a hippie when no one really uses that terminology anymore he might just be a dude with longer hair but if you look at this you'll notice he actually doesn't have that long of hair i mean it what goes past his ears it doesn't even touch his shoulders so it's not like that long okay so we're not talking about a guy who's like you know got the rocker hair or anything we're talking like a guy with longer hair but not necessarily what i would call long hair okay so anyway so 
Um, hold on. I am starring some comments there. I will get to some of those in the end. So, all right. So he goes, he's sickened by this. He's not for compromise of any sort because apparently to lock arms with somebody in unity, despite your differences is a compromise, which also means by the way, if ever Christians start getting persecuted worldwide and getting murdered and everything, you could expect an IFB person not to be okay with a Methodist or reform person, a Catholic or a non-denominational or literally any other group. Uh, it's like, how can you, be you know locking arms in unity despite differences is not necessarily compromised but anyway okay i'm beating that horse dead sorry he goes my family goes back to the 1960s <laughs> see what i mean there <laughs> stuck in the 1960s 70s all right goes back to the 1960s when my parents were married in this church my uncle was a deacon and church clerk for 50 years at fbc hammond my wife and i were married in this church and my daughter was born in this church i thank god for the heritage of this church but to see the blatant compromise sickens me and yes it ain't angers me. It sickens me because I hate it when any church compromises. It angers me because those in this church know better. Let me simply share a few verses. Okay. So first things I want to address here, he goes that it angers him that he's like, he likes the heritage of the church. Well, the heritage of FPC Hammond or Hiles Anderson is actually kind of spotty. Like, I mean, this is the people with Jack Scott who is, uh, has this huge sexual abuse scandal. There's been a lot of scandals that have come from people of Hiles. So I, I'd be careful before you start touting that you know they're the great, greatest thing ever uh when clearly there is something going on in the culture that is not always great now granted again not all right hashtag not all uh there's i'm sure there's wonderful people that come from here even though they're very narrow-minded in scope but anyhow um but then on top of that he goes it angers me because i hate it when churches compromise again i already beat that horse dead but um they were married everyone was born in this church so he you know he has a long history of this church but one of the things in the IFB churches is um, they believe in what they call the Baptist distinctives. And what they do is they take Baptist and they create an acrostic with it. And, you know, you go to different parts of the B-A-P-T-I-S-T and all that. And one of the things is that I stands for individual soul liberty which means that they ought to be, and part of their values ought to be, that they respect the individual liberty of each believer. Things that are a little bit of the gray area become, the gray area simply becomes uh, a thing where we're not going to like stand staunchly on it. We're going to allow liberty and the idea of like Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8. Okay. So if it's, there's individual soul liberty, instantly they should respect this guy for having, like, it's not super long here. Because even in, like, if you're taking the most literal part of what he's about to share, literally, this isn't like super long or super short, right? It's still not even, it's not even touching his shoulders. So individual soul liberty should exist. Plus individual soul liberty of the pastor or all the other people involved should be taken into account to choose whether or not they're going to, you know, allow something that might not be exactly up to their uh, dress code kind of slide you know so but we're not respecting individual soul liberty here okay that's not what we're doing because really they say they believe in individual soul liberty but they rather you not use it see that's that's how it works anyway he goes on to say first a long-haired hippie teaching in the pulpit is in direct contradiction to scripture first corinthians eleven fourteen says doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man hath long hair it is a shame unto him by the way he is citing from the king james which is why it has the the these thys thous and haths and hath not 
hats and all that. He goes, I don't know anything about this man, but I do know that to have long hair is a shame. So I want to talk about this for a second because people, and this is popular in the fundamentalist world, and I, I that's why I always take issue with people who take the Bible as literally and woodenly as possible. If you take everything super woodenly, you are not going to actually get a proper extrapolation from it. Your hermeneutics is going to be skewed because not everything is meant to be taken extremely literally in the Bible. And let me explain why. Because it's not saying that no one ever can have long hair. So if you go into the first century context of this, the Corinthians, you know, they're all under Roman citizenship. Romans, if you look at old like sculptures of Romans, they have pretty darn short hair, right? Like above the ears and all of that. And they are actually clean shaven. And in fact, in a lot of ancient cultures to have beards was considered to be like kind of dirty. And what like the Egyptians, why the Egyptians were known to like shave all their body hair and like draw on their eyebrows and stuff. But the Romans did this thing where they had shorter hair. But what's funny is that even their first century Roman hair would actually be contrary to Hiles Anderson's own haircut code. So what's funny is that they even go above the first century context of the Romans here that Paul is writing about, and they make it to where you have to have like, like crew cuts or whatever. They have like specific ways you're supposed to, uh, at least they used to have specific ways which you're supposed to taper your neck and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and really what it is, if you really look at their hairdress code, it is really on the long lines of something like the 90s. 1940s military like and that's what makes it kind of funny which is why it makes no sense because they also are very big on people having to have clean cut like beards they're really big on like clean shavenness things along that nature which is strange because jesus had a beard like they will tell you not to be like those worldly hipster guys or hippie guys who have beards jesus had a beard right so all right let's talk about the short hair thing for a minute so the Romans had shorter hair, but actually before like the first century period, if you get into the Old Testament period, actually what our speaker here has is was pretty normal. Like It was actually pretty normal even in Israel. And God didn't actually, in fact, let's go into some other parts because does scripture contradict scripture? Is he talking woodenly here across all all platforms? Like, is he saying that this is how you must wear your hair all across all? all periods of time, or is he maybe referring to something else? Because look, in Leviticus 19, verse 27, he goes, you shall not roam round the corners of your heads, neither shalt thou mar the corners of thy beard. And by the way, I'm reading the King James, because if anyone watches this, I don't want them to just dismiss what I say outright, because I'm not using the King James. It is funny how they will do that, by the way. You could quote them scripture, but if it's not for the King James, they'll dismiss it. So right here, you will not round the corners of your heads. This is why certain even Jewish sects still, like on the, the their temples, have the long curls, because they take that hyper woodenly and literally. Really, right. So that and if you think that's ridiculous, well, then maybe you shouldn't take what Paul said super hyper literally either. But right there, we have a very specific thing where, OK, well, you shall not cut certain parts of your head. In other words, it's probably going to be longer. You shall not mar the corners of thy beard. So another because your beard was a sign of your masculinity, because what Paul's really getting at is what it talks about in Deuteronomy, where it says you shall not wear that which pertains to a, a man shall not wear that which pertains to a woman, a woman wear that which pertains to a man. He's talking about gender distinctions. That's really what Paul is getting at here. And so the beard is a symbol of your masculinity. That's what he's talking about. So and then you might go, but that seems crazy. Well, 
as we already have uh, in the comments, Andy here. Uh, what's well, uh, Andy? Sorry, Andrew Selby. Sorry, I don't know if you're you're Andy or Andrew. I'm guessing Andrew says your name. But anyway, Andrew Selby said Samson would like to have a word earlier. And dude, you're exactly right because there's this thing called the Nazarite vow. Okay, and if you go to Nazarite vow, it says all that you will not cut your head, uh, cut the hairs of your head all the days of the vow of this vow of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled in which he separateth himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. So right here, we actually see the opposite, right? We see, we see, um, sorry, uh, we see, that there is an actual time where you can grow out your hair. The Nazarite vow. Samson is a great example of this. His hair was long. Does that mean that God who puts... Now think about it. Does God contradict himself? In the book of Numbers, God has them write down in the Torah, in the law, that there is a vow which you can take, which has other things involved. But one of the things that's involved is to grow out your hair. And Samson did it. Paul does it in the book of Acts and others do it. And as we see right here in Numbers chapter six, there is an element where it can be for a lifetime or a certain period of time. Either way, there is this idea of law of long hair being a thing that can be on men. So is Paul contradicting scripture? Or are we misunderstanding what Paul's getting at in this passage? I think we're misunderstanding what Paul's getting at because what is really driving at when it comes to this is the idea of gender distinctions. Because when you go into the rest of the passage in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, you really get this idea of gender distinctions. Because, um, actually, I have this set up as ESV, I guess, but whatever, they can, they can dismiss what I have to say here and they can read it in the KJV. I know it checks out. I was reading King James only. I, the King James doesn't bother me. But if you get into this right here, he talks about head coverings, right? If you go through this, he talks about head coverings. But then he also talks about, you know, the uh, women not to cover their head. He talks about head coverings. Do they take that woodenly? Do women have to wear head coverings? What is he getting at here? He's talking about the gender distinctions that are taking place in the first century, that these things are what separate them. And it goes into that, that which pertains to idea. He's not saying this is the wooden way across. Otherwise, if you're taking this hyper literally, women have to have braided hair. Women have to have plates in their hair and stuff like that. Well, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying that if you are representing your gender properly, to do it properly. But he says to that men not to have long hair. But long is kind of subjective, isn't it? Long could be down to your back. Long could be mid-back. It, it, does long mean it has to be touching your ears? Or does it mean it's touching your shoulders? That's why, uh, like I said, according to even Hiles Anderson's own textbook, they're they violate the first century code, right? Or they go further than the first century code. The Romans would be considered to have long hair in comparison because they usually had like a bowl cut, right? Or something along that nature where all their hair was about, usually about an inch. That's what we would see. So when it comes down to it, he's really talking about gender distinctions. And we see those change a little bit depending on the culture. Uh, the culture definitely shifts and changes over time. And I think that's okay. All right. So, uh, he's just kind of driving at that. He's not really talking about it. Otherwise, we have to say that the Nazarite vow contradicts scripture. We have to say Paul exercising that vow in Acts is somehow 
contradicting scripture. We have to say that Leviticus is contradicting scripture. This it gets ridiculous. He's referring to the fact that, hey, keep your genders, uh, your normal genders, which is why women, I'm going to talk about your braided hair. I'm going to talk about your plated hair. Men, I'm going to talk about your the length of your hair because that's what our culture does. Each culture is different. And in the if you go into the ancient Jewish culture, like the ancient Near East, they had different lengths of hair back then as well because also it's harder to maintain and stuff along that nature. So, all right. Let's keep reading his article because this just gets funnier. So he goes, it does not matter what he, oh yeah, this is also the funny part. He says that he doesn't know this guy at all, yet he's okay with quoting the next few scriptures that he's about ready to throw at him. I want you to keep that in mind. He does not know this guy, yet he knows the fact that he is shameful because he's assuming that the length of the hair, the subjectivity of the length of the hair means that he must be ashamed. And he goes, it does not matter what he was going to teach. The fact that he blatantly disobeyed obeys God's word should have alerted anyone to spiritual discernment with spiritual discernment, uh, no, to his spiritual discernment and that he is to be disqualified to teach people. Again, he, th this Allen guy is straight up this assuming that his interpretation of length of hair is the exact right one. On top of that, he's accusing him of disobeying God's word, but then he'd have to turn around and say, Paul disobeyed God's word. When Paul took play, like partook in a Nazarite vow and also was the one who gave the command not to have long hair. When really he's just saying, hey, don't wear that which pertains to a man or a woman. It, it, stick to your gender norms in this culture. Why? Because the gender norms is actually very, we see it today, right? We see it with the trans issues and all these other issues. We see that there's this idea of identity crisis. So he's saying stick within the identity of your culture. So. Um, anyhow, then he says that I should have, he, it doesn't matter what he's going to teach. Really? I'm sorry. Is he a Bible teacher? If he is a creation science, he's with the creation expo, which I'm guessing is a creation science thing. I'm guessing most of these, if you look, he's actually an engineer. Okay. So which, but there's other people who are scientists and stuff. Are you there because he is a professional, uh, scriptural exegete? No. He's there because he's he can do science, that he's able to discuss engineering and science. If that's what he's there for, then it does matter what he's going to teach because you had a creation expo in to teach creationism. Okay. You if you were having an IFB guy there to teach on IFB standards and codes of conduct and why they do it, then that's different because you're having that guy in for that purpose. But what you have like if I have a guy coming in to teach firearm safety. I don't really care about the rest of the other values as long as he's able to teach me how to properly handle a firearm. You can have a three-piece suit, have a crew, a proper crew cut, uh, uh, hair, clean-shaven face, but if you don't know how to handle a firearm, I don't want you teaching me how to use a firearm, okay? Just like you can have all those things, but if you don't know anything about science, I don't want you teaching science to me. Okay, that's why you have experts in and experts might not always fall in line. In fact, I can't think of the last time I heard of a big name IFB guy who is also a creation scientist. I can't think of any. If I, you can think of any, let me know. But honestly, I have no idea. I don't think any of those exist. Anyway, second, ecclesiastical separation is still a command in the scriptures. Now, this is where the kind of exegeting you can expect from the IFB and other fundamentalist types. So 
Uh, he call, goes into 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? God commands we are not to be unequally yoked. God goes further in verse 17 when he says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you. Not only are we not to be unequally yoked, we are to be separate from them. But what is... Mr. Allen, your big blunder in this vid in this statement. Second Corinthians six is talking about unbelievers right here. Unbelievers. He's not talking about people part of a creation science expo who are indeed believers and are defending what they find to be the Christian view of scriptures. That's what he's talking about here. He's not talking about all these other Things that you're upset about, the length of the hair, maybe his dress code. He's not talking about that. And so he's not talking about ecclesiastical separation like church amongst believers. He's talking about the church with unbelievers, that we ought to be separate from them because he's talking to the Corinthians who live in Corinth, which is a very pagan nation society. He's saying, hey, come out from among them and be separate, just like Israel was called out from the pagan nations to be separate from them. In other words, not engaging in idolatry and fornication. So in Acts 15, it lays very clearly what the Gentiles were supposed to do, which is, you know, not to consume blood, to avoid idolatry and fornication. Anyway, so... Then he goes, my friend, ecclesiastical separation is still in God's word. A member of a reformed church has no business teaching in a Baptist pulpit. His self-proclaimed Methodist obviously is doctrinally wrong on baptism, the local church, and likely on salvation. It doesn't matter if these men are good men. They're doctrinally wrong and have no right to speak in a Baptist pulpit. Okay, um, so a reformed person doesn't believe in Jesus Christ then? Look, we dog on uh, Reformed doctrine all the time. Like, we, we I mean, again, Brian just had an entire episode at going after uh, Evanescent Grace, okay? We go after the Calvinists probably harder than we do, like, the fundamentalists. But the re reality is that the Reformed person is a believer. They're a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, their doctrine is, I think, wrong. I think it is, I think it's frankly messed up. I think it is so far off of what the Bible is actually trying to teach that it's, I, as it blows my mind that people are actually st still believe it. I, I really do believe that. However, they are believers in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, which technically makes them brothers. That's why historical Christianity is kryptonite to people like the fundamentalists who are the separatists, because the Nicene Creed makes very clear what it means to be an Orthodox Christian. And the Reformed people believe it, and many Methodists believe it. Of course, there is like a very progressive bent in the Methodist Church, so they would depend, obviously, which Methodist, but... Generally speaking, and if he's working for a creation expo, speaking at a Baptist church, I think you can make a pretty safe assumption that he's an Orthodox Methodist, right? Like a pretty, pretty, pretty run of the mill Methodist. All right. But so if he's wrong on one, and this is the other funny thing, this is where like you get the band, like this, uh, this e equivocation that takes place um, because he's wrong on baptism, because he's wrong on the local church, because he might be wrong on salvation. It means he can't speak at a Baptist church about creation. You see how that doesn't follow? Like, uh, someone can be wrong on things, right? Like, okay, I disagree with James White on a lot. We have an episode dropping tomorrow on us kind of roasting James White again and on his presuppositional apologetics. But at the same time, like, I can say that I can learn textual issues from James White. 
I can say that I disagree with William Lane Craig on the atonement, but I love a lot of the stuff that he does in other areas. So again, we could kind of get into that a little bit and just go, don't you think that you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Like maybe you can learn something from somebody and disagree with them. In fact, uh, Actually, in the video we're about to see here in a minute, I noticed that Tommy McMurtry liked it. And uh, Tommy McMurtry, I've been on uh, his on his channel, and we've discussed King James Onlyism a little bit. And we've actually kind of he was like, I always joke around that he's my favorite frenemy, and the reason why is because he's IFB and he's a King James Onlyist and all this. But what's funny is that like I know for a fact that him and I can both like, hey, I can watch a sermon of yours and not get triggered. Right. Even though I disagree with you. And so even people who are like fundamentalists can. Sorry, Tommy, I didn't mean to get you in trouble if I just got you in trouble because I spoke your name on the church split. Anyway, um, then again, I know that uh, I know that actually Tommy has a backbone and isn't just going to uh, kowtow to cancel culture like these guys did. But we'll talk about that here in a minute. Third, he says to allow the NIV to be used in the pulpit is wrong. And this is where it gets really, really, really funny. So he goes to allow the NIV to be used in the pulpit is wrong. There is no question that the NIV has removed verses from God's word and has made over 60,000 changes to God's word. Really? There's no question about it. Have you ever considered this is what we have an entire like playlist on King James only as I'm talking about this, but there's this assumption that whenever there's a variation in King James only whenever there's an assumption that whenever there is a variation from the King James, that it is that the King James is the one that is correct and everything else is wrong. It says that it removes verses. Have you ever considered that the King James might be from a text that possibly added phrases? What if it's the reverse? That's true. And historically speaking, that's most likely the case. Uh, and then it says it makes 60,000 changes to God's word. This is dangerous territory because the King James only has oftentimes used the exact same logic that atheists use and others to try to debunk God's word. Because if you go into all the manuscripts, including the majority text, they, people talk about how there's like 90,000 or hundreds of thousands of all these different variations of the text. The texts are different. They disagree with each other. Therefore, you can't believe them. But what they do is that they don't realize that half of those changes are simply like punctuation or spelling when that's exactly what these 60,000 changes to God's word is. It's like punctuation, spelling. When it says Lord Jesus Christ, it might just say Lord Jesus, or it might just say Christ Jesus. It might just not have one or the other, but it's still, but then like two verses later refers to him as Lord. It doesn't remove the, these truths. It just has variations of the same truth. So anyway, but then he goes on another blunder. Let's see if you can spot it. All right. We're going to say we're, gonna, we're playing a game today. Spot the fundamentalist blunder. He goes, Revelation 22, 18 through 19 says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the book words of this book, this uh, the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his heart, the, his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city. And from the things which are written in this book, I will not, I, if we are not willing to fight over, oh, then he goes on to say, dude, quotation marks would really help you. Like use quotation marks like a normal person. Anyway, if we are not, uh, not willing to fight over God's word, then what will we fight over? Never are we to allow anyone in our pulpit that would use anything else other than God's word, the King James Bible. You can almost like hear the obnoxious fundamentalist accent with this. But what is the blunder? Spot the blunder, blunder guys. Uh, Revelation 22 is not talking about the King James Bible. It's talking about the book of Revelation. 
because it says to add unto the words of the prophecy of this book. If you get into Revelation 22, he says it is the prophecy that we are not to change, which what is he talking about then? Revelation. It's talking about the book of Revelation, not to add to it. However, it says also that if you take away from the book of Revelation, that uh, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. Uh, most fundamentalists are also hardcore once saved, always saved people. And I never have heard a, pro a really good explanation on how they answer that, by the way, because that sounds like to me that you're no longer saved, right? Because Christ gives life. And if we're taking this woodenly, Sounds like that you're not saved anymore. Anyway, he then he goes on to say, fourth, we are to withdraw from brethren who do not practice like us. Second Thessalonians 3, 6 says, Now we commend you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received us. At this point, you must be willing to withdraw from people who are disorderly in their doctrine and much less their practice. Now, keep in mind, he says he knows nothing about this guy. And what and he kind of pontificates on what this guy could be wrong on his doctrines for. But the, re the reality is like, you don't, you don't know. So you don't even know how much these people deviate from your doctrines. Okay. First off, plus there is this, it's a, again, walketh disorderly. If you get into what, how other translations, which I know we don't use, but if we look at other translations, it says that like those who walk in idleness. So the idea isn't necessarily even that they disagree with us on something uh, small, but rather that he disagrees with us on, uh, they're idle. They're not committing to the word uh in the same in the same way they're not engaged in the christian life they're idle in it okay that's why it says disorderly that they're not with all that however it's not talking about your little dress standards that did not exist in the first century when this was written and that's the problem is that the fundamentalist movement reads these things anachronistically they have their preconceived notions in mind of what the king james is and what their dress standards are and what all these standards are and they read it anachronistically into the text so it gets kind of ridiculous all right then he goes uh goes on to say uh that no not only should these men not have been allowed to teach because of their doctrine again doctrine that you don't know but also because of their practice we practice dressing with our best for church because god deserves our best okay so what what if his best was his polo what if his best was the fact that he can't afford nice razors to shave every day what if his best is the fact that he has to grow out his hair because maybe he can't afford proper haircuts you don't know but you just assume because everyone who disagrees with you must not be at their best because you are the best and everyone else is not the best you see that's how it works it's a, it's the exclusionary uh mindset the separatist idea this is that progressivism that cp did right oh we are the best and everyone else else sucks it is wrong and we must be the standard for everyone else my offense my belief my interpretation of reality is the only thing that matters so anyway to allow these men to teach in blue jeans and polo shirts as if it's a golf club is simply a total disrespect of god's word his way his church and his way where in god's word does it say that you can't wear blue jeans and a polo shirt where does it say you have to wear a three-piece suit and tie? It never forbids suits and ties. It never it never commands them either because they did not exist. In fact, I think the new other New Testament writers like Peter and James and others would like to have a word because there was this whole thing about those who 
don't look as good as you, who can't afford as nice of clothes and appearances of you, that you welcome them and you actually give them like a, an elevated position to make them not feel like they are less than others. And that was one of my problems with the IFB was the fact that if you did not have a suit and tie, you could not be on the platform. But then there was like uh, a friend of ours who's been on the channel twice, Vincent, who whose family was so poor they could not afford running water. He was in the foster system for a while, came out of the foster system. Their house is too small. His bedroom was the shed. And you're saying that that person, because would not be able to wear blue jeans and a polo. I remember the first time someone got him a suit and it was like from Goodwill and it was too big for him. And he was so happy because he could look like everyone else at church. It was, it, it was sad. So also, Polos are a very normal thing for organizations to have because it's a little uniform where if they're in the sanctuary, for example, you know who is part of the guest speaking team or this other group. So it's a very practical thing to have, by the way. Um, like my church uh, on Wednesday nights here when we're doing our students ministry, we all have like one life shirts a lot of us will wear or we wear like little name tags with it. Uh, that way people know who we are. Anyway, my he goes, my friend, I believe in the local church, which means I believe FBC Hammond has the right to do what they want to do in their church. I am completely fine with this. Clearly, you're not. You have the right. I respect your individual soul liberty, except I don't. Uh and he goes, however, they ask churches around the country to send their young people to their college so they can train them for the ministry. The fact that they reach into our churches to ask, they, they yeah, they reach into our churches to ask for our youth is what concerns me. They're influencing our youth and our youth will look at what happened and think it's, it is fine not to follow the separation that scriptures command. Okay, let's talk, let's unpack this for a minute. So. First off, imagine being so horrified that your people, that the young people who are supposed to be equipped to lead your church, to lead unbelievers into belief, who are supposed to be on the front lines against the gates of hell, against all the sin and depravity in this world. And the thing that you are concerned about is long hair. The world we live in today, with all the issues that exist today, you're, you're, you're worried about longer hair and that these young people are so snowflakey, they are so fragile that they cannot look at somebody with a slightly different dress code than that which is, exists at their college and have a, enough discernment, have enough brain cells to even look and go, okay, that's not what, how we do things, it's not how I want to do things, but I'm okay with hearing that from them and gleaning what I can. I could eat meat and spit out bones. Imagine having that fragile of people and that dumb of people working underneath you. Like, that's how dumb you think your student body is. And that was another thing in the IP I had problem with, problems with, which was it, they constantly treated their uh, students like they were the most impressionable children on God's green earth. I'm sorry. Do you actually believe that you are raising up a generation to be able to fight against the gates of hell with all the depravity of this world with some amount, some amount of discernment? Or do you not actually believe in what you teach? Just a thought. Maybe you should, because actually shouldn't. In fact, I bet you, Alan and the other people at Hiles Anderson and those ilk bicker about universities shutting down conservative thoughts, right? I mean, that's a pretty normal thing. We all know that that's ha that happens in conservative universities. However, sorry, my beard is suddenly like going up my nose. So it's driving me crazy. Sorry, all you people on live stream, we got to see that, but it was bothering me. Anyway, so, but I bet these people, when it comes to cons like conservatism on liberal ca campuses, they're like, man, 
college and universities where you should go to have your views challenged. We should have free speech on our campuses. We should allow people to have a discussion of ideas. Meanwhile, on your Baptist colleges, you do not afford the same thing. You're like, nope, everyone has to be the exact same way we are. We have to think the exact same way. We can't challenge any of our students at all to confront things that are different than us uh, and actually make them think about these things. We can't do that because our student body is too impressionable and too dumb. And if we bring that into the college, you're going to think that suddenly we agree with everything that they have. Maybe you should do what we do on the channel and other pl platforms, which is, hey, I can platform this person and say we can learn from them without agreeing with them. We have good friends of the channel, the alternate media. I greatly disagree with them on a number of issues, but I can say, go check them out. You'll probably learn some things because I know I've learned from them, even though I disagree with them on things. All right. Moreover, one may say one, one may say they made a mistake to which I say hogwash. A mistake is dropping something, scheduling people who don't believe like you, or maybe they do, and you know that they are different is not a mistake. It is purposeful choice. Let's give the benefit of the doubt and say it was a mistake. What does that have to say about the discernment of those who allowed this compromise in their pulpit and Bible college? This is a reason God tells us not to put a novice in the, into the ministry. So now he's like saying that they're that the pastor at this church that he has his whole family has been associated with for years. It's now a novice in the ministry because a novice lacks discernment. I do not believe that the, those who lead these institutions are novices. I do believe they know exactly what they are doing. So you don't believe it yet. Why'd you bring it up? Anyway. Um, so he's saying that moreover, one may say that they make a mistake to which I, I say hogwash. Do we remember what he said up here? Oh, what was that? Uh, Pastor Wilkinson apologized to the church for the hurt it caused. I respect the apology and hope it is sincere. I do not apologize for what I wrote, so I will leave it up as I wrote as truth must as what I wrote as truth must always be defended. But you just over here said that if it's a mistake, you say hogwash. So you clearly don't respect the apology. So once again, we have double standard double speak that I've come to expect from most fundamentalist groups because they are just as cannibalistic as the progressives are. They're just as bad as the liberals that they actually chide. Uh, again, speaking generally here, I'm not going to always caveat that. I feel like you should know that. But they are just that bad. It's disgusting. And it's actually kind of immature and childish because a uh, mature adult Christian should be able to hear views that they disagree with and not have a meltdown. Anyway, at some point, we must be in love with the truth. Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and sell it not. Not, no, you won't be popular when truth is embraced over the greater good. And now keep in mind that he's taking his position as truth. Like the, he, he, he thinks that quoting a bunch of out of context scriptures suddenly means that he's declaring truth. But that's the problem with proof texting and not exegeting. Anyway, those who don't love truth will say that we are hate mongers. Well, I wouldn't say you're a hate monger, but I would say you're definitely not being uh, beneficial or uplifting to the brethren. This isn't even like constructive criticism. This is just this is just being spiteful and childish. Like this is outrage culture. It's the angry mob coming to cancel Hiles Anderson College because you don't respect their individual soul liberty. But anyway, so. Um, 
But if loving truth makes me a hate monger, then so be it. Oh, my goodness, the drama. I am 55 years of age and apparently haven't matured much past 12. All right. Sorry, that was a dig, but I'll take it. I am 55 years of age and I have seen this seen the song and dance before. It is time people make a stand against compromise and I call it what it is and stop letting compromisers train your train our youth for the ministry. How about this? How about we let stop letting like snowflakey angry little fundamentalists train our youth how about that how about we stop with like the very touchiness of this like you guys can't clearly learn how to work in unity you're separatists uh you also have can't have proper discernment on how to you know eat meat spit out bones how to have unity and diversity you don't know how to let people challenge each other on college campuses you're just as bad as the liberals that you despise so anyway um anyway i do not hate those who allowed this compromise but i do hate their compromise i do i mean some of the words you've used in this i I'm not sure if that distinction is true. It very well could be. Let's just say I'm going to pull a Matt Dillahunty and say I'm not convinced. Okay. All right. Paul said, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Uh, sir, you're the one causing divisions. You're the one causing offenses. You're the one who took offense. Offense is often in the eyes of the beholder. People are offended by my channel all the time. People are offended by Brian all the time. But it's funny because we'll just be doing our normal thing and somebody takes offense to it. So that's not what he's re referring to here also uh what doctor is he talking about there romans 16 is he talking about short hair no he's not he's talking about other issues maybe you should look at the issues he's talking about there instead of pulling this out and like broad brushing all these verses out of context uh by the way context is like is another kryptonite to fundamentalist groups and progressive groups because they both like to take things out of context and roll with them and it just doesn't work so anyway it is time independent baptists stop bearing their head in the sand of compromise and get a backbone and stand uh i mean i'll say this i agree that john wilkerson should have had a backbone because he didn't he ba he backed down and compromised uh his own decision here which is kind of sad anyway uh and okay compromise is wrong at any level really any level never compromise ever Anyway, I feel like that I feel like that doesn't go well in a marriage and should never be allowed to allow compromise is to say you never that you know better than God. Actually, let me explain to you what says that you know better than God. Mr. Allen, what says you know better than God is adding to his word, which you have already said that revelation apparently applies to this. So. It doesn't say anything about those dress standards. It doesn't say anything about suit and tie. It doesn't say anything about wearing your best in scripture. In fact, it lifts up those who can't wear their best. It does the opposite. So who's the one who's truly adding to the word of God and saying that he knows better than God? What the Bible says nothing about music standards. It says nothing about these different things. You have to take things out of context and then apply your views anachronistically unto the text. You're the one adding to the word of God, not them or at least not them in this situation. They definitely add to the word of God too. But let's let's stop being pedantic and stop pointing fingers when we're the ones just as guilty about it. Anyway, he goes, let me close by quoting Joshua 24, 15. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And there's more of the out of context statements there. Of course, he's talking about, you know, going to war against unbelievers and saying who, who which God will you serve? He's not talking, again, he's accusing them basically being unbelievers uh, when you read if you're taking what he said in 2 Corinthians as proper. Anyway, now, 
I say all that to say this. Let's then, so this, this article goes live. What happens next? Well, if I was a pastor of a church and I saw this written about me, I would either ignore it because I've had a few things written about us and I've just ignored them, or I would double down and take a stand against it. And I would rip them apart because it's not hard to do here. Alan here clearly has the theological depth of the short end of the shallow end of a pool, right? He, he He's using things out of context, verses out of context, applying things that aren't supposed to be applied. That's what he has. Uh, I wanted to say the, uh, that he had, has a theological depth of a puddle, but I already used that on Matt Dillahunty. So I've got to come up with a new one-liner. But with that said, no, what does he do? Let's, let's watch this video from John Wilkerson, who's the pastor at FPC. This is his response. And it's just glorious. Okay, I'm finding I'm hearing that people are saying they can't hear it. So I don't know why that is. Um, so that's actually kind of annoying. I wonder why that is. I feel like I should. That's bizarre. All right. Well, what we'll have to do, I'm going to figure out why you can't and I'll just have to explain to you what it is. All right. So what he does in this video here is he basically says hey recently we had this creation science expo my goal was to equip people to take care of people and to make sure that they can stand against the lies and fallacies of evolution and humanism but i didn't think about this properly i had this guy in with long hair and i apologize for that essentially and he straight up bows the need um uh, oh you heard it at the end brian Okay, he says now he hear. And then Derek says now he can hear it, sort of. Okay, I'm just going to explain it then. You guys can go check it out on their Facebook page. It is right up here. Um, you can go to Hiles Anderson College and you can find it it's posted there. Uh, but he apologizes. He apologizes and begs for everyone and asks for everyone's forgiveness. And he's using that very calm, pastorly voice as he says, I, my goal was to do this. And it's like, it sounds, of course, as genuine as it possibly can be. But at the same time, like... There's a few things. One is the fact that, like, I respect the fact that you want to equip people. Okay. I'm a big fan of that. So you want to equip people against the fallacies of evolution. Okay, fine. But at the same time, perhaps you should also provide a platform to show that, hey, even though I'm not an evolutionist, there are theistic evolutionists, and here's why they come from that. There are those who are creation creationists who believe in older Earth, and here's what they believe. Because what he does and other people do, which is the, basically if you disagree with uh, the six-day literal um, young Earth creationism, they will say that you don't believe in God's word. So as soon as somebody hears or is presented with evidence of an older Earth or any other thing that disagrees with that six-day literal uh, young Earth creationism, that the Bible is no longer true. And then they throw the entire faith and go, I can't believe the Bible because this is wrong. As if 
by the way, I don't know if you guys know this. Young Earth Creationism is actually pretty recent. And I actually, like, people ask me what I am. I was raised Young Earth Creationist. I don't really care anymore. I've heard arguments from both sides. And I was like, okay, bottom line is I, the even under evolution, God is the best explanation. So I don't, uh, I, I, don't really care. I have no dog in this fight, but I do think that we should equip our students and our people with answers from all angles on how to interpret Genesis because it is a complicated Hebrew text that's really cool and deep and just that way they know. But bottom line is, instead of like standing with his decision and going, hey, yeah, I had a creation expo in and yeah, one of the speakers apparently was Methodist. But you know what? You want to sit there and attack me for this. But bottom line is, when you go to their website, like right here, this is the guy. Now keep it goes right here. You go, you click, click presenters. You go to creationevidenceexpo.org. Okay, that's where you can go. You come down here. It has all the different speakers, right? You know, you have apparently Dr. Jerry Bergman, John Burnside, Daniel Courier, Dr. Willie E. Dye. Then what's this? Oh, is this David Liddy? Is this the speaker who had long hair? What do you see on the website, guys? Not long hair. So let's say he was like, oh, I'm going to have the Creation Expo in. All right, we're, we're, we've scheduled our speaker, David Liddy, to go to to go speak at your college and church. Oh, great. You go on the website, you check him out. Oh, all right. Yeah, he looks like a normal, respectable dude. He doesn't look like a long haired hippie, right? He doesn't, doesn't look like these things. So um, when it comes to, to it, like just, John wouldn't have even known. Like until he sh this guy showed up, and at this point, you probably paid speaker fees and travel fees, and you just go, "Hey, normally, we, you know this." And if nothing else, you can say it at the pulpit at the end, like, "Hey, I know normally we have a certain a standard on like a certain dress code that we that wasn't abided by here, but we, you know I was unaware of it, and we you know we didn't communicate to that beforehand." But I hope that you were able to get something good out of the lecture anyway. That would have been respectable, but no, we don't do that. But notice even what it says about David Liddy, because remember, he was mad that this guy even said that he was a Methodist. But you'll notice that if you read through these descriptions of the speakers, they don't have like what their uh, like all, all what their denominational background is because they're creation science expo. They're not a denominational church, nor are they a branch of a particular denomination. Their whole thing is they're trying to get out there to teach creationism. But he says, at a young age, David Liddy took note of the many discrepancies in science that were presented to him and his peers in school. These inconsistencies, uh, these inconsistencies in David's faith sparked a passion for the truth and thus began his journey to address his distortions, these distortions and bring knowledge of God's wonders. And he keeps Keeps going on and on and talks about how he you know went to south america and africa he got a degree and um yeah right there david's first undergraduate degree from taylor university is in economics and biblical studies and then he went to electrical engineering okay and then you keep going and uh and he says david has a heart to share his journey that peeled him back peeled back the layers of deception that were presented to him in science once the evidence is presented it is up to those that would listen to follow their conscience with his, his this knowledge and then he has proverbs 8 10 which is probably if you read that and you put it in a search i'm sure you'd find out that it's not king james okay but that'd be the only red flag but again this is a creation science expo what what more do you want? Like they want to present creation science. That's what they want to do. So clearly, John Wilkerson, what this guy should have done is he should have instead 
of just backing down and apologizing and bowing the knee to cancel culture. He should have stood on his conviction and said, yes, I recently had this and I understand that some of these things did not fall in line with our typical dress code. And I understand some people think I'm a compromiser for it. But bottom line is one, we were unaware of that these individuals were of this bend or of this background because we were here to equip our students for creation science. And bottom line is we still want to equip them for creation science. And as soon as you IFB fundamentalists, King James only as by like wooden Bible thumping screechers out there start a creation science expo with legitimate scientists and engineers and others and actually can start doing this in our creation side in our colleges maybe just maybe you should shut up because as far as I'm aware even Ken Ham with answers in Genesis is not IFB yet the IFB like to go to the ark encounter is that not a compromise and that's what I mean. Like, even if you go to Walmart and buy something, you are supporting somebody somewhere, something that does not support your fundamentalist Christian standards. So does is that not compromise? At what point do you draw this line? Because it gets very arbitrary very quickly. And he should just he should have just doubled down and just been like, yeah, I had a man. Big deal. Deal with it. Uh, and this is just cowardly. This is just this is what I've come to expect from actually recently. Dr. Jordan Peterson had the comedian uh, Matt Reif on, I think is his name. And they talked about comedy and all this. And I'm not saying that you should go check out Matt's com uh, comedy because, you know, like most comedy can be vulgar. But one of the things that they talked about is cancel culture. And as soon as you apologize to the mob. You just empower the mob further to keep canceling and that when you empower the mob, then you just upset people who were probably actually enjoying what you were doing. But you apologize. So now you look like you have no backbone of really what it is that the people who canceled you aren't going to support you as much as the other audience. And the other audience now feels betrayed because you did that. And bottom line is this is the way it works. And this is why you should stop that. So by the way, if you have uh, comments, I've starred some that I do plan to go through, but this would be a good time to start putting your questions and comments. So, and of course, super chats get recognized first, because if you're going to throw money at us, of course, we're going to recognize that first. But anyway, so bottom line is that he really is. This was just cowardly. And it's sad that we see that. But it's not something I am necessarily surprised by. Uh, but anyhow, um, Alan is just uh, apparently as uh, hostile as the other liberals. So anyhow. Let's go check out the comments. I have some start. All right. So uh, let's see, Brandon, you say, hey, where are you from? I'm from Hammond and temporarily went to Hammond Baptist. Yes. Amen. Yeah, you're exactly right. They are separatists. Uh, I'm from Michigan, but I went to Fairhaven Baptist College for a semester and realized that they were too insane for me. And I went to Crown College of the Bible and I was there for a couple of years. And then I left and thought that they were too crazy for me. Then I actually learn to study and became a normally evangelical. All right. Uh, so welcome. Thanks, dude. Uh, and Gavin says, Damel was only there at Hiles Anderson College my freshman year. And without and without going into detail and using fun words, let's just say I couldn't stand him and I am not a fan. Uh, I can see why, Gavin. I can see why. <laughs> Jeff says, uh, what year was Damel at Hiles Anderson College? Oh, yeah. So he was that's what he was saying. I don't know what year. But anyway. Brandon goes on to say the culture of Hammond Baptist is troubling. If 
Uh, I do love and appreciate many brothers, including Pastor Wilkerson, Wayne Schaefer, and many other brethren there. Well, that's kind of how it is with a lot of the IFP places, like a lot of the colleges, is that there is actually a very disturbing culture there because it's authoritarian. Again, uh, the, all the issues that they have with liberal, liberalism and progressives nowadays is the exact same things that they replicate on their own campuses. Uh, so you, you can't question the authority. You have to do what you're told. Uh, there are certain like words you're allowed to use, certain things that you're allowed to do, certain things you're not allowed to do, unless we cancel you and end your whole career, right? That's literally how they function. Because even now, like, remember, so John even, and this is why you should never apologize to the mob, right? Because look, John apologized. He bowed the knee to the cancel culture mob. And homeboy still keeps it up because I do not apologize for what I wrote, so I'll leave that up. We'll leave up what I wrote as I must always be, the truth must always be defended. So that's why you don't bow the knee to the mob because they're just going to keep trying to ruin you. Like that's what they want to do. So anyway, uh, let's see. Andrew Sully says, this is what I was trying to get at when you brought up Paul's writings on not denying your, your spouse sex pertaining to the perpetual virginity of Mary and her sin, sinlessness. Um, I feel like I missed a part of that conversation to understand what you're getting at there. Anyway, um, although all of us could not deal with the culture there and none uh, are there as members currently. Uh, so yeah, anyway, so he kind of kept going on. Um, and Brandon, I'm glad you also have a beard. I have a beard as well, at least for now. Um, so <laughs> Brian, uh, the co my co-host said, I've been so looking forward to this. And Adam Van Gorp, friend of the channel, says basically long hair was considered feminine because it was believed to be hollow and would draw the seed from the man into the body of the woman. Longer hair was connected to fertility. Exactly. And if you get into a lot of the like the cultural stuff, you'll find a lot of it has to do with fertility and idolatry and what it was connected to there. Like the more you get into this stuff, the more you realize like, oh, he's not talking about like in general. He's talking about culturally. Uh, uh, doing that, which is, you know, being wise in the way you navigate your culture. There's things that in our culture today that we have to adjust course for, right? So, um, <laughs> and then Andrew says, blessed are the clean shaven, for they shall see God. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? They're like, they are really big on like clean shavenness, for example. Yet, literally, it talks about like Moses' beard, not shaving the corners of your beard, Jesus having his beard pulled out. Like, we're supposed to be Christ-like. Shouldn't your beard be part so that it's like part of your masculinity? Anyway, um, so Derek, friend of the channel, says it, uh, when he's talking about young earth creationism, he goes, yes, it's an in-house debate whether young earth creation think it is or not. Yeah. And that's that's the reality. Young earth creationists tend to be more separatist on this issue than not. But bottom line is I had a kid that was about to defunct from the faith that I knew uh, and he was really struggling with it. Like and I was told about this kid in my church a while ago and that he was getting into it. He just saw an old earth and he's like, I can't believe that the Bible and this at the same time. So I went to sat down and talked to him about he like Genesis one through 11 and we really broke down the Hebrew and what it meant and culturally speaking and with the different views of it. And it, like you just tell, he was like, oh, OK, that's helpful because I was seeing this data and I don't want to deny reality. And I felt like if I did, if I tr believed this particular interpretation that I was denying reality, therefore, the Bible must not be aligned with reality. But after having this conversation with you, I see that it does, in fact, still line up. So anyway. And uh, Derek, you're exactly right, because there's selective outrage. Basically, they'll find something to complain about if they want to come after you. And that's exactly it. And that's what we see in the IFB all the time. I remember when I was in it, there was I, things would be going fine until somebody got like 
irritated with me and suddenly what I would do normally became unaccepted and they would come after me for something that they wanted to and they will find it. They will do it. So um, anyway, by and then, yeah, and actually Brandon says we are on YouTube, which supports violence by helping murderers that make the murderers that make rap music millions of dollars. Exactly. So if you're you're on Facebook, which is known to be extremely uh like liberal right and very pro-choice and like all the things that are against christian values meanwhile you're on facebook posting videos this guy it, it just gets more and more ridiculous but kayla gonzalez said i'm late to the party but yes on will addressing this <laughs> i'm glad i can make you uh happy to address this um and derek you said you're 34 and still can't grow a beard i just want to make sure you're aware of something I couldn't grow a beard until I was 25. Now, I know you're long past that, but I'm just letting you know, they, the kids called me Pastor Patchy in the youth group because I couldn't grow a beard until suddenly 25 and like I hit puberty again and suddenly I could. It was weird. But uh, anyway, the, the, I, the whole thing here is that this is the problem with like separatist movements in general because they attack one another, they rip each other to shreds, and you can't make them happy. He uses verses out of context. He ignores the context. He ma makes assumptions on this guy's doctrines and beliefs just based on hair length and triples down. And then like John Wilkerson takes the coward's way out and he just cancels the whole thing and he just apologizes and it's just sad. So anyway, guys, what are your thoughts on this whole controversy? And do you think uh, this was ridic as ridiculous as I was? If you were IFB, where do you land on this? Do you think John should have apologized? Do you think uh, this guy should take down his article? What are your thoughts on the whole situation? Do you uh, realize that? Do you realize that if you take such a wooden approach, um, that you create contradictions in Leviticus and Numbers and other areas of Scripture? So maybe you should consider the cultural context first. Like, let's the, take this as that. That's the challenge here. Instead of making assumptions on our very particular interpretation, perhaps we should look into it a little bit deeper before we start condemning people outright and separating fellowship from them, because we are told to work in unity with one another. And in Acts chapter 15, it said that there is no there is no small disagreement among them. And yet it's still called, like referred to them as those who affirm that the, the Holy Spirit had fallen on the Gentiles. So let's take that spirit approach from here on out and not condemn everyone who disagrees with us, including Reformed or Methodists or whatever. We are allowed to condemn their doctrines and their beliefs, but we should also be able to work in unity with them, especially if their specialty is, you know, creation science or textual issues or literally anything else besides like if you're holding them to hold up to things that are not in their specialty then maybe you're the one with ridiculous expectations and unspoken expectations that are actually killing you and your institutions so anyway i think i i think honestly this is why uh the ifb is going to end give it like 50 years because some of these people he's like you know he talked about he's in his 50s Give it another 50 years or so. We'll see how much of the IFB is less, because I do think because of its cannibalistic nature, it is going to keep crumbling. And I think there will still be some that stick around, but I think it's going to become far less prominent and it's going to slowly die away because of these sorts of issues of reading the text anachronistically, especially in a time where we're in the information age where anyone can double check your work. And also because of the legalism and the separatism and the way they treat one another, even amongst their own selves, 
I don't think they're going to be around very much longer. So anyway, anyhow, I hope this was fun for you. Uh, like I said, in the near future, I am starting a series on biblical sexuality. I will be talking about what the text says, what the progressives oftentimes say about the text. I'm going to try to have a few interviews on regarding the topic and um, including my own pastor here who is uh, is has gone deep on the trans issue and uh, has taught an entire series here teaching it biblically. So anyway, with that said, guys, I hope you are doing well. I look forward to see, seeing what you guys think of all this in the comments below. Share this with your friends, like and subscribe. All those things help us grow and keep the algorithm rolling. So anyway, I hope this is helpful for all of you. And I will see you on the next time on The Church Split. So take care and God bless. And guys, if you want to avoid seeing obnoxious ads like this, we gotta be strong, we gotta be healthy. When you wanna feel nice and strong and satisfied, you gotta check out Good Ranchers. Right now, go to GoodRanchers.com, use promo code Knowles. Or that. We also wanna thank Free Life Soap, because I don't know about y'all, yes. but I got a new shipment of soap yes, in. I did. Yes, I sir. And it was great. Or this. Hi guys, my name is Will, and I'm here to tell you why you should be a student at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary. Or that. To get to that momentarily, first, I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Are you aware that your browsing data is constantly being tracked and monitored? Please support us on Patreon. We do not want to annoy you filthy heretics with any sort of ads on this show. So when you're a Patreon subscriber, you also get access to our apologetics classes and other video content a whole month. You can support us on Patreon for as low as $1 a month.